a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. <laughs> Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brennan Thomas. On this episode, we have Karen Swain. She is the Australian leg of the Higher Self Expo uh, host. She's helping the whole thing out over there for that eight hours. Uh, just a reminder again that Higher Self Expo will be this month of 2021, July 17th and 18th. It's a 24-hour global conference. All the ways to find it, of course, are going to be linked down in the show description, as well as Karen and her work with her ATP Media. With She does deliberate creation. Guys, this is one of the best and warmest and deepest conversations I've ever had in my life. She's incredible. You guys will absolutely adore her. So without any further ado, let's get to it. It's Karen Swain. All right, ladies and gentlemen, extremely excited to welcome this young lady right here, Karen Swain. How are you this evening? I love that you call me a young lady. <laughs> I thought you were laughing at my pronunciation. We just go over it, and I, I was really wanting to nail your name, Karen nah, Swain. You did it so well. You said it so well. So yeah. many people can't get it, especially Americans. Americans have a really hard time with Karen. I easy, don't know why. Easy, But they think that me saying Karen is just that cute Australian accent, but it's actually not. I was at school with five Karens, and then mom's like, nope, you're not a Karen, you're a Karen. That's hilarious. And, so instead of going yeah. like Susie or, you know, Tabitha or something like that, she's like, no, 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 no. I like this motif. We're just going to throw the a accent on the A there. I like it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it's a Scandinavian name. And uh, if you watch the movie Out of Africa, she says, um, it's a classic old movie with Meryl Streep, I think. She says, my name is Karen Blixen, and everyone in the movie calls her Karen. And I'm like, I know how you feel, love. <laughs> Scandinavian accent. <laughs> Karen Blixen. I had a farm in Africa. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. I love that movie. <laughs> well, for my audience that may not know about you, if you don't mind, just in your own words, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, tell me about myself. Oh, you see, the way I do it is I read people's bios. I don't give them, <laughs> they don't have to work so hard on my show. You're on so the other as end. you know, yeah. I have a podcast show as well. So I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel, a psychic, an empath, all that good stuff. And I started my podcast show over 12 years ago because in my 30s, I did healing courses. And one of the healing courses I did was, um, we call it Theta, Americans call it Theta, Theta Healing and we learned about different brain waves and um, and how and how our mind works with different brain waves. And I remember hearing um, learning about theta brainwave, which is the brainwave of REM sleep. So REM sleep is rapid eye movement sleep, and that's the brainwave when you're in a deep sleep. And when you're in that deep sleep, it's usually that time where you're having out-of-body surgeons or you're having dreams. That's why your eyes are doing this rapid eye movement. Have you ever seen studies on sleep? People get to this really deep sleep and their eyes are going crazy underneath their eyelids and you think, God, what's happening to them? 
it's like their mind is experiencing stuff and their body is is it's almost like their body is seeing it their eyes are seeing it even if your soul if you like is not even in the body your body's still reacting to what you're experiencing Damn. so that's called theta brainwave i know right and when i realized that media puts you in this deep relaxed alpha or theta brainwave state and that's a state where your mind is really open it bypasses the logical mind that's the way that we hypnotize people when hypnotists hypnotize people and you know those hypnotists that you see on on stages and they get you to cluck like a chicken or believe that you're something they put you into a state of brainwave so how they do that is they relax you and then they bring you down and then your mind opens and you're very suggestible you're very suggestible in that state of brainwave and then they give you a suggestion and you believe it like you are a chicken <laughs> and it's like and then you believe that you're a chicken so when i realized that that media does it has this hypnotic effect i remember thinking we are being hypnotized into fear like we are just so much fear messages are being pumped out through the media every listen to it Every advertisement, 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 advertisement is has some element of fear that it's it's getting you to buy into. I thought, oh my god, I've got to start pumping out some more positive, deliberate messages to people. And I just thought, in my very small way, I'm going to go on radio and start teaching people about the powers of their mind and the powers of focus and the powers of deliberate creation. So that's when I so that's when I started going on on radio and um, the radio station that I were, was doing it on was just this really tiny little radio station uh, that really didn't have any listeners. <laughs> and then I went to a bigger station and it didn't have a seven second delay. So that meant that I couldn't take callers, like I couldn't get people to ring up and I couldn't give them a reading or a session on the on the on the line. I started interviewing or having conversations with people and getting people to share their stories. And usually, people that have gone through some incredible trauma and then talked about how they overcame it and how their lives benefited from going through the contrast. So for me, it was really establishing how we are powerful, deliberate creators, and how that all that we experience, all the trauma and contrast, all the problems that we experience in our lives, are there to help us expand our reality. <laughs> Nailed it! I love when people do that. You're great. <laughs> That's fun, right? Expand your reality to evolve as a human being, to evolve as a soul. It's all there to teach us. You know, everything's right. there to teach us, and. Uh, and then I just got hooked, Brandon. I just like love people. I love people. Don't you love people? Don't you just love finding out about people? Yes. Aren't they great? Like a lot of people are fantastic. And, and you know, it's it's like that old thing, right? I love a person. People scare the shit out of me, right? It's like that, uh, you know, uh, you know, a singular person can be reasonable. A mob is unreasonable. So as the numbers increase on the number of people, especially if they're not into the same like-minded ideas or even even open-minded enough to explore a new topic that they're not familiar with, then yeah, you, you get a little sketchy at that point. But one-on-one, -on -one, you can really connect with a lot of incredible people, open their minds, learn that we're all searching, we're all seeking in our own ways. And it's, it's really cool to be able to connect with people across different belief systems or ideologies and just come together in these one in in these similar and fundamental aspects it's pretty cool i love yeah. it yeah i'm with you too long-winded answer your question yeah people are pretty dope good call 
even the dope. You know, I found you. I don't know how I found you. I found your show. I don't know how I found your show. Spirit guided me to it. Damn and right. I just loved your, you're so polite with people and you're so curious. I just loved your energy. And so I reached out to you and I'm like, yeah, I like you. And uh, yeah, and that's how we connected. Because I think that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I love watching other people's shows. I love watching how they do it. I love watching the guests that, that they have on. You know, I'm just curious about everything and everyone. And uh, and I think you're going to go a long way with your show. I really do. I just love the energy that you're putting into it because you're pretty new at this game, but I love your curious mind. That That's the key ingredient. A lot of people start their podcast shows because they think, if I interview other people, then people are going to find out about who I am and what I do. And, um, you know, that's the plan. That's the strategy. It's our way to go, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's I don't think it ever works. I think that you put people on your shows because you're fascinated with them. Um, I'm more fascinating with the people that I'm, you know, I have a business and I can do much of what everyone who comes on my shows can do and sometimes a lot better. It doesn't mean that they don't fascinate me. And that. Um, and then there are people, Brandon, that just blow me out of the water. You know, I thought I knew a few things and then I've met some people through the shows that are just incredible that have these out-of-body experiences that just blow your mind. And I'm like, oh, man. So I learn as much as like the audience from meeting these people on the shows. And yeah. I can't tell you. I've been doing this for six months. I had a show a couple years ago, and and that one was like a year and some change long. But it was uh, like more of a morning talk show. It was really stupid. It was not what this is. You know, this is what I've been wanting to do even back then. Anyway. Like I've said before, that was the caterpillar. This is the butterfly. But uh, it it is interesting uh, whenever you start to go down these topics. And yeah, all the people, I mean, I do, it's 100% me. I do all of this. So what I mean by that, though, is, is I book everybody. So all the people that are on are deliberate people I want to speak to because this is cool. This is my chance to ask, you know, Neil Donald Walsh the kind of questions I wanted to ask him and ask, you know, James Fox and then ask you and Zane and all you guys from the expo, which is great, which we are going to cover. Uh, but, it, you know, it's been a wonderful opportunity to be able to talk to people and as much as anybody else that hears any of this stuff it changes them as well i can't tell you what this has done for me in six months like this has expanded my reality like that's the whole thing right i i have learned so much i've had what what i wasn't prepared for and this episode is supposed to be about you but i'll I'll wrap this up here (laughs) what i wasn't prepared for because you asked right you know which buttons to push because you're a great interview as well you you knew how to get me going you little minx so all right uh, what's really cool, and now I lost it. But anyway, it, it, what's awesome about you it said, is, is how many... You said you've grown so much in the six oh, months yes. and something that has been the most amazing thing is... This is where you're great. Uh, it's it's actually changed my caliber of conversation. I wasn't ready for that understanding. Uh, it really shifted me into having the types of conversations I want to have with people from freaking all over the world, dude. I mean, it's lunchtime in Australia for you right now. It's a Sunday evening for me. It's like nine o'clock over here. It's like noon over there. So it the, the time travel element of it, the being able to have these kind of communications with people, this has been the coolest thing for me personally. I And I just kind of put it out for everybody else in case they want to get something out of it too. That's how I feel yeah. about it, honestly. I'm not worried about yeah. anything else. This is, this is, I love this. It's such a learning curve. And, and the audience come with you. You know, I used to watch uh, Kevin. I had him on my show. Kevin Moore has the Moore show. He's been doing it forever as well. 
and Kevin, oh, watching him evolve through his, his the show and the conversations he had with people was just so engaging. He was so terrible as an interview host. <laughs> He's so dreadful, but he's so real and so honest. And then he was trying not to be real and honest, which was even more hilarious because he was trying to be really professional right at the beginning. And he looked so professional, you know, suited up and short hair and glasses. And then he got much more relaxed towards, you know, he's been doing it for years. And But watching his involvement has been just beautiful. And uh, I loved I loved thinking about that, like the audience is coming with you in your spiritual evolution as you're, as you're evolving and expanding your reality you know, through your own shows. And um, and I was sort of thinking, you know, I'd been doing this for a long time before I was on a podcast show. I'd been channeling and talking to guides and, you know, and I was still traveling and doing all this stuff. And I, I thought, um, am I evolving as well? Am I evolving? And then I met, as I said, I met some people that just blew my mind. You know, the last person that blew my mind was William Linville. I don't know if you saw the show I had with him. So he's, um, I called him the real Capex because oh, he yes, is a- yes. Oh, he blew my mind. He just blows my mind. He's like a walking channel. He's like, I put a lot of channelers on my show uh, who, you know, go into trance and then they channel, but he's like a walking channel. He's like channeling the whole time. There's very little humanness to him. He's a total alien who walked into a body, a 26-year-old body, and he's here to teach people about anything, everything, He's amazing. Yeah, he blew my mind recently. That's one that blew my mind recently. You'll have to have him on your show because he's one of the speakers for the High Self Expo as well. Yes, and I would love to. Again, a solid professional. So nice segue. So tell me about the Higher Self Expo that you're doing. We just uh, had an episode come out with Zane Daniel, of course, uh, the head of the expo, which you hooked me up with, which thank you so much. And I've got a few more of y'all that I'm I'm talking to as well. So uh, tell me about how you got uh, mixed up with that guy. Well, I put Zane on my show a couple of years ago, and Zane was pretty new to all this too. He, he'd been through Ethan Fox's uh, course where Ethan sort of um, grabs, you know, new light workers that have just come into their channeling ability and they've, and they've got things to share. And he sort of, he pushes them exponentially on their channel and he like gets them out there and it's like, right, you've got something to share with the world. Let's get you out there. He puts them, he has a big expo, puts them on. And I think I saw Zane on uh, Ethan's expo, so he has a, a big conference called the Awakening Empowerment something conference. Anyway, something like that. And uh, I saw Zane speaking and I just was interested in him. I'm like, oh, you're fascinating. So I put him on my show. And then we just started commune. Like he would, Zane would sort of ring, ask me for a bit of advice. And and um, he's pretty awesome, Zane. He's just, he's got this one of those amazing minds that just technical minds he grabs a concept and runs with it. And uh, yeah, and so when he put on this next ex- expo, which is coming up in July, <laughs> 17th, 18th of July, he wanted to do a 24-hour gig so that it would cover all the time zones and it's a live, it's, you know, live on Facebook and YouTube, uh, which is going to be a challenge. I've never done that before, but anyway. I believe in you. And I like to challenge myself. Yeah. And he's not paying any of us. He's not getting paid. He's not paying any of us. Six co-hosts. And none of us are getting paid, but uh, why are we doing it? You know, when he asked me to do it, he said, can you do the Australasian eight leg, eight hours? And that means you have to book all the speakers and, you know, it's a lot of work. I thought, yeah, you know, like I have so many people on my show that are Americans. It'd be really interesting to actively look for Australians. 
I, I thought that was a good, I, I wanted to give myself that challenge because uh, there's so many Americans to speak to that are amazing and I wanted to actively look for Australians. So I, I knew quite a few of them. Um, so it gave me an opportunity. I showcased them all on my show as well. And, um, yeah, that's really expanded my reality as well. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it rolling. Well, I love it. Yeah. Like it rolling. But it really has because it actively made me look for Australians and I met some people that I never would have met had I not had that intention, some beautiful people. I love them. And, um, and, uh, and just, the whole, just, just the whole thing has just really expanded me just to do it, like just giving yourself that challenge. Even when, like you're doing this, you're not getting paid, you know, you've got your real job. And I do this, I don't get paid. My real job is actually counselling people and doing readings for people and, and teaching people. So, but it's interesting when you put yourself out there doing something that you love with a passion in a way that you really want to just expand your reality, expand your world and evolve how life comes to meet you in magical ways and every aspect of you expands. So not just your enlightenment and your consciousness, your abundance expands, your health expands, your relationships expand. I mean, everything expands. It's not just your mind that's expanding. Well, your mind is everything really. Yep. So, yeah. So if you do things, not because it's going to give you money, but because you want to do it and that fascinates you like that, you know, you've got a passion about it. You want to have the conversation you want to have. You don't want to banter to banter to a, what you think people need to hear. You just want to have the conversations. You just want to do what you want to do. Like if you're an artist, you want to paint what you want to paint. If you, you know, the conversations you want to have, that's that's the way to go. That's being a deliberate creator. That's what I'm talking about. We had a freaking full circle this thing. Nice job. We didn't work any of this out beforehand, by the way, guys. She's just that great. I, You know, and it is that, though. It is uh, something that has, uh, it, and I don't think enough people talk about that, right? How it changes us, how it changes the people, the interviews. Because not only do you have to be well-versed in a lot of different things, right? And especially just at least do some research on your guests that you're having out. Uh, and, you know, it. but what's nice about it is, is like you said, all the the things that you didn't even know you didn't know. It's it's all of those things and speaking to these people and and getting to just meet your soul tribe, you know, and come across these people from all over the planet. It's been the coolest damn thing, and I love this. So, um, yeah. yes, yeah, I remember that was a question when I was young, sitting at home alone, reading my spiritual books, and feeling like, where is my tribe? Like, where is my family? I used to read the Deepak Chopras and the Wayne Dyers and the Louise Hayes, you know, back then, 20-odd, 30 years ago, which was the tribe then. There's been a lot of people that have come along since then, but they were unattainable. Like they were the rock stars in the spiritual industry and they were just unattainable. And I used to think to myself, where is my tribe? Where is my tribe? And little did I know that starting a podcast show, I would find my tribe. Like that wasn't, I didn't do it find my tribe but that was the outcome yeah like that answered that desire in me when I was sitting at home alone with my books going where are the people I can have these conversations with yeah yeah no, that's that's exactly what it is, and it is you. It's an unintended consequence, but it's awesome. So it, yeah. it's the same thing. And I just you know you. Get, for people like us, you know, I don't know how many people in your immediate circle physically, like around you, that you have that you can have these kind of conversations with. You know, just about well the every, now. Yeah. 
everybody. See, that's cool. That's you. That's changed for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And th- this is like you said. I'm not that. I'm not doing this for very long. This is. I've been doing it maybe six months, something like that. We're not even over fifty yeah. episodes yet. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, but it does feel like a calling. It feels like what I should do because I love this. I absolutely love this. Um. So with with this in mind, uh, with what you do. What uh, what's one of the most incredibly profound life changing experience from the from somebody that you've interviewed personally on your show uh, over the twelve years that you've been doing it that you can think of? What's just one of the craziest? Like, okay, I did not leave. You know, you sat down in front of the microphone one way and then you left a completely different way. Oh gosh, there's been so many moments like that. Look, I rave about Garnet Shawhauser. He's my all-time favourite. Um, he's he's so funny. He, I think I told you about him when we've had conversations. So he was a conservative corporate lawyer. And the thing about Garnet is that I love the unfoldment of his own personal journey because he was just super Catholic, conservative, middle-aged man, three-piece suit, earning lots of money. He'd had a great life, kids, you know, big house, lots of money, loved his work. He's like many ETs on earth. They do human really well and they love being human. But there was, um, so they're not so woo-woo or crazy. Like they they just do, they do super good human. Mm. <laughs> they're good at human. It. Yeah. <laughs> they're good at, they love being human. They don't want to be different or special or they know they are, but they don't want to be, they want to fit in. They want to do human, which I find really funny. Anyway, but he had always felt like there was more, there was more, and he'd sort of cry like, surely there's more, surely there's more. And he meets a spirit guide who turns up as a homeless man. So that was over 10 10 years ago now, and he has been taking him on astral travels around the cosmos, showing him he's on his fifth book. He's just about to release his fifth book. In fact, he sent an email the other day saying that the fifth book, which is called Dancing with Angels in Heaven, um, is on Kindle now. You can get it on Kindle he, he, there's just his sojourn throughout the cosmos are mind blowing. I, I, they're mind blowing. There is, I mean, you, you contemplate this stuff. I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie Thrive? Thrive. Thrive. Like uh, the, the first movie. I think so. Foster but- Gamble's movie. He's just put out the second one about 12 years later. But the first, that first movie blew my mind. So over my, exploration into consciousness, I had learned about crop circles and I'd learned, learned about anti-grav and I'd learned about uh, psychic ability and I'd learned about this and I'd learned about that and I'd learned all these different things and I'd gone, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Then I watched that movie and that movie put it, like sacred geometry, yeah. put it all together <laughs> and in, into a story, into a whole, it just married everything that I had discovered into this amazing unfoldment of a story and it was like that blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> that blew my mind. And Garnet was a bit the same. So you learn about Sasquatch and you hear about angels and you hear about mermaids and fairies and second earth and, you know, the underground of earth and Egyptian astrology. And you learn about Moses and Jesus and Allah and Buddha and, and Muhammad. And you learn about all these things, right? So Garnet has spoken to all those people, all those things. He has, I can't say physically because most of the time he's in his astral body, well, pretty much all the time he's in his astral body, but he has experienced all those things. He's talked about life after death and speaking to people like the Beatles and Elvis and all these people in the afterlife. And he's sat down with Hitler and Buddha and and Jesus. And um, uh, he spoke to he's spoken to like great artists and um, uh, Muhammad. He started the Muslim religion and. 
uh, he actually said that Mohammed said that he's going to come back to try and clear up some of this, this distortion in the Muslim religion. Be the same in the Christian religion, I suppose. But he's been to other planets and seen spiders that live underground that seed life on other planets. And you can't imagine where he's been. It's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. In his latest book, he was sharing with us in the Inner Sanctum the other day, which is my online group, that um, he had a chat with Einstein in spirit. And uh, and uh, he didn't give too much away. Who else did he talk with? I can't remember. You'd, you'd have to read. So that, those conversations are mind-blowing, but... Usually I read his book before I talk to him because he's one of the few people's books I do read. Yeah. Um, the first time I chatted to him, I hadn't read his book. And when I read the books, I look back on my conversation with him and I'm like, I'm thinking, wow, I was, to- I was so tapped in to his book before I read it. It was amazing. It was amazing to see that. But, uh, yeah, so so he is and, – and I've spoken to many people since – that pick up parts of the story. So I've spoken to, like recently, Tannis Halliwell, who speaks, or Halliwell, who speaks to the elemental kingdom and the elemental of the body, who she calls the Holy Spirit. You can actually talk to the intelligence of the body, which is a consciousness beyond the soul's consciousness. Cool. And you can actually speak to it and um, ask it for healing and, and work with this elemental energy, this like consciousness energy that is your body. It's kind of you, but it's not you. It's it's like it's just a vehicle. It's kind of like your car. So you've got a car, right? So a car has a consciousness too. So you get in this vehicle and you drive it around. So this is like this body. You get in this vehicle and you drive it around and it has its own mind, just like its car has its own mind. You drive it, but it has a whole workings that once you step out of the car, it has nothing to do with you. So it's kind of like the body too. It's a great but the body. Right, and the body is conscious, and you can speak to that intelligence and consciousness of the body and work with the body as opposed to fighting it. So if you get diseased, for instance, it's the body communicating to you about how you're driving it. You're not doing a too good of a job of driving it. And so negative emotion is telling you the same thing, and pain in your body is telling you the same thing. So it's actually the body communicating to you. So if you talk to the body and say, what am I doing wrong? How can I change that? How can we work together? Then disease just disappears. You don't need to fight the disease and cover it up with drugs and stuff like that. It's interesting. I like the cooperation, uh, the cooperative nature of that that analogy there. That's brilliant. And I, of course, love the vehicle uh, explanation because you, you come back to the whole, you know, you're not a human having a spiritual experience or a spiritual being having a human experience, you know, and I love that kind of concept because it is, it's more of an avatar thing. It's more of a, you have more things to look forward to, you know, more whimsy in your life, whether that's true or not, it's still really, really cool to think about, you know, but I tend to lean more, if I got to plant my flag, which we don't on the show, then I would, I would lean much more to that observation. You know, something I'm curious about after what you were talking about, about meeting people in spirit on the other side of life or when you astral travel or something like that, it, it, it's interesting to me how there's still individualistic expressions of spirits that were somebody who you wanted to talk to or famous or maybe somebody familiar with you, like family members and stuff like that, that kind of act as a buffer for your, uh, I don't know, to ease you into that kind of understanding that we're all source and everything. It's almost like a middleman between source, but it's still an expression of source that was an expression of source here until it died and now it's not and you can only visit it with your astral body. The, these kind of ideas are interesting to me because, so do you think that it's these kind of like um, 
different entities that act kind of like a middleman between you and Source to kind of give you some insight? This is a great question. So everyone has access to subtle energy depending on the frequency you're vibrating at the time. So the reason that we as humans don't classically have access to speaking to subtle energy, which you can call dead people, ghosts, spirit guides, angels, ETs, is because of our, our thinking, right? So as I said to you before, when I found out that we're marinating in fear and the way that we, we keep marinating in fear is that we watch media because we're all obsessed with media in some way, either music or TV or podcast shows or, you know, or, or YouTube. We're obsessed. We've been obsessed with media for since media started, you know, 70 years. I remember as kids, we would just sit mesmerized in front of the TV all the time and mum would be screaming at us, go outside and play. Go <laughs> Um, it keeps us marinating in fear. So depending on the frequency of our thought, everything is a vibrational match. So spirit, even dead people, even dead people that are unhappy dead people that some people called ghosts or um, trapped souls or, you know, unhappy dead people, even them vibrate at a frequency that is a lot higher than most people vibrate in in their human form because of their stressful, negative, fearful thoughts. So once you start cleaning up your negative, stressful, fearful thoughts, you start to raise your vibration and expand your field, expand your reality. And when you expand your field, you start to have access to frequency and realities that vibrate at that similar frequency. So... I was just going to pop yeah. in here that that might be what the flow state is all about, that people talk about. You know, the flow state where, where athletes achieve this, business people achieve that, everybody gets this. You know, you get in this mode. And this almost might explain that, right? Because you're vibrating at that frequency where everything works out. Your body works perfectly. Your mind is clicking on all cylinders. It, it That's cool. I like that. So that idea of raising your vibration to achieve superhuman abilities in some people's minds or this extra sensory perception type thing. We as humans are just absolutely the tip of the iceberg with with this concept, with this with this teaching. So we can get into a flow state, and we can be brilliant athletes, or we can, you know, you you probably experienced it in traffic where you're in traffic and you've got the music blaring and you're feeling fantastic and you feel like you're king of the road and you can just duck in and out of the traffic. You know what everyone's going to do, right? You just know um, I'm going to get in before he moves. He's going to, he's about to move, but I'm going to get in before he does. Like you're just, you tend to be absolutely telepathically united with everyone on the road. And you, and you feel that when you're in that flow state, it's like, I'm king of the world. I've got the music blaring. I'm driving the car. And I read many years ago in the Seth books when I was um, on a expanded spiritual sort of um, directory uh, that everyone on the planet is, is communicating telepathically on a subconscious level. We're not conscious of it, we're, but it's a subconscious level. And he said, you couldn't drive on your roads if you weren't. And I remember thinking, yeah, right. Thinking about when you drive, how you know what people are going to do. How do you know that? And that's because we are communicating on a telepathic level all the time. So that's one part of the flow state. And then there is a flow state that the ETs know about where they are so in tune and in touch with energy that they can 
systematically dematerialize the cells and the atoms of their body and put them back to, like they can beam me up Scotty with their conscious mind because they're so attuned to energy and flow that there's that level of the you know that's like that's something we've got to look forward to that that's a hell of a flow state yeah Right. That's a hell of a flow state. But, you know, you hear stories of people being abducted and they're like, the aliens came through the wall and then they took me through the wall. And to our human mind, that's impossible. But they know how to loosen the vibration of the atoms of their body, like just loosen them so that you can actually move through the atoms of a wall and it's like transparent. It's like, you know, it's, it's, that's where the flash got it. The superhero, he can do that. He can vibrate through walls by vibrating super, super, super fast. You know, something interesting to that point, I've had a guy on the show called uh, Ronald Kinsella. You know his brother. We're mutual, all friends. When I was looking you up, you know, Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Ronald and both of them are experiencers. Now, something interesting that Ronald had talked about was is that he kind of plopped, went through the roof, right? And you hear this a lot with um, these abduction cases and often rather, where they will just vibrate through the wall or through the ceiling or something like that. Now, I asked him on the show and we, we still don't know if that was his astral body that they took. They didn't take your actual physical body because he didn't think that they took his actual physical body. And so we assessed that it was like your astral body, which would also get get back to the fact that they just got some crazy stuff going on that we're unable to do in public at this time. Well, it can be your astral body and it can be your physical body. Both are available. The astral body is a complete replica of your physical body. So often it is not necessary when taking uh, you as an entity onto a ship unless they want to specifically work with your physical body. So, for instance, I don't know if you've had Geraldine on your show. She's one of the co-hosts for the Higher Self Expo. So she's a multiple experiencer and she has – her first conscious aware experience, she had a, a physical awake aware experience where she remembers it like what you did yesterday. So she was completely aware and awake. She went up on a ship and she met eight of her hybrid children. So in that, in that condition, if they want to impregnate you and create hybrid children, they'll get, they're going to be needing your physical body. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be in, come in handy. Yeah. But if they just want to hang out with you on the ships, they don't need your physical body. Your physical body can stay asleep and they can hang out with you in your astral body. And that's cool. And you can And that might be what that might be what dreams are, right? We just go hang out with different dim- interdimensional beings while our body has Absolutely. to sleep. They're like, stupid body. It's gotta go rest. Let's go play, you know? I'm I'm wide awake. Right? You keep yeah, the car's in the garage and you go off and yeah, it's your vehicle. It's the vehicle that we drive while having it. this human experience, right? Yes, and then your uh, astral body's like, all right, I'm going to go on foot, you know? You just park the car on the side of a cool forest, and then you go on foot in, your, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the astral. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah, the astral body is another vehicle that you drive uh, while having uh, life experiences, physical and other life experiences. So you can have a spiritual life experience because the only true reality is source and source is light energy. It's just light energy. So anything that is not just pulsing light energy, infinite intelligence, infinite potential, creative light energy is some form of life experience. So you can have a spiritual life experience where you're a spirit guide and you're communicating with people who are having physical life experiences 
uh, on Earth or other places. So there's many. So we're multidimensional and we have multidimensional bodies and it's all happening simultaneously. So as you and I sit here in our physical clumps yakking to each other on the other side of the world, we might also be up in um, a spirit realm you know, having a class on astral travel or how to communicate with humans or how to disclose, ET disclose, you know, like we could be, we're doing multiple things. At the same time, we're having future lives maybe in other planets as extraterrestrials or future lives on Earth as humans and we're having past lives as humans or plants or animals. So it's all happening. We are multidimensional. So when you expand your reality... You just don't expand your reality about who you are in this physical world and what's capable for you as a psychic or an empath or a channel or, you know, or a deliberate creator. You can expand your reality to who you are beyond this physical world and what you're up to and how it's dovetailing with who you are, why it's dovetailing with who you are in this physical world and what what having a relationship with that other aspect of you being maybe an extraterrestrial in a future life on another planet like Bashar does, right? Bashar has a has a relationship with him. Um, so Daryl Anka has a relationship with Bashar who is him in another world, in another time. Blows my mind. Right. So why is he having that relationship? So he's bringing through information that's that's impacting this world. That's why he's having, and that's why he's aware of that relationship and he's doing it, that telling. So there's so much available to us when we expand our reality. <laughs> How many times did I get that in uh, there? You're, you're sneaking it in. I'm sending you like 20 bucks every time you do it, so <laughs> thanks a lot. I appreciate it, but settle down. Your Venmo keeps going off. It's distracting for the listeners. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because whenever you talk about stuff like an an alien from a different time communicating with a human here using him as a vessel the possi- the fact that that's possible how fascinating that is and the fact that it's necessary you know like that i i can't imagine me needing to be needed by some muskrat in a different time on a different planet and i'm like channeling through this thing you know cuz that's equivalent to what we're talking about here it's like me channeling through an alien muskrat 8 billion years ago you know, it's it and how important that was for that role. Like that's the kind of shit that that messes with me mentally here. Uh, you know, those kind of thought experiments. Well, it's I, all a matter of need. It's all a matter of need to know basis. So if you think of the, I mean, this is what Garnet did for me too. I thought I knew a thing or two, and then I read his books, and then my mind blew open to the infiniteness of the universe and the and the possibilities available to a point of consciousness, which is an extension of source that plays in the universe in different forms, on different planets, in different time frames. Like, you know, people say rest in peace. I'm like, what do you mean rest in peace when you die? <laughs> when you die, it's just another opportunity to have an, a more adventures. And the adventures are infinite. They're mind-boggling what you can get up to as a point of consciousness inhabiting some sort of vehicle and some time-space reality or just some reality. It doesn't have to be in time or space. And um, and that's what Garnet did for me. That's how it, he, th- those books expanded my mind. And uh, I spoke to a guy called Blair Styra, who's a New Zealand guy. Get him on your show. He's fabulous. He, has a, he channels a spirit entity that lived 5,000 years ago called Tabash. 
You know how I was um, telling you how to pronounce my name yes. before we – so as I'm speaking to Blair, Blair's calling me Karen and we're having a lovely time and then I say let's bring through Tabash. So when Blair channels Tabash, he's a trance channel. He leaves the building and Blair comes and Tabash comes in and Blair doesn't know what's being said. And what was hilarious about the first time I spoke to Tabash was when Tabash came on, I said, hello, Tabash. And he said, hello, Car. No <laughs> he just way. really exaggerated my name. <laughs> and I said, hello, Tabash, because he's got that same hard A, that R uh, sound in his name. Yeah. And we had a great cackle, me and Tabash. Like I had this completely different personality speaking through this body called Blair. And this dude lived, his last physical incarnation, if we're talking in linear time, was 5,000 years ago on Earth. And uh, and there I am talking to this ancient, well, we're all ancient, but that, you know, just talking to him as he's relating to his life as a human on Earth. But he speaks about much more than being a human on Earth 5,000 years ago. He's really a spirit guide that is teaching us in this time-space reality through Blair and they have that um, agreement, relationship agreement, that that's how they would bring through their service for this world at this time. So it's a need-to-know basis, really. It's kind of like we're at a precipice in human history where we're transitioning from one epoch, one era to the next, and we're moving in frequency we're upgrading to a new level of experience. We're moving out of density into less density. We're shifting from fear to love. And so there are literally millions and millions, probably billions of beings and points of consciousness that are overseeing this transition. So it's not just happening on Earth. It's actually transitioning throughout the whole of the cosmos. And we're, we're kind of the bottom rung of the cosmos. <laughs> we're moving up a step <laughs> and everyone else is moving up a step. So it's a bit of a need-to-know basis. People who have come into this human form and have said, I'm going to be a part of the shift. I'm on the evolution team. <laughs> um, who, who's going to help me? So some spirits, some ETs, some archangels, some angels are like, I'll be helping you. <laughs> So how are we going to do this? I'll channel through you. I'll inspire your mind. I'll motivate you. You know, we're having this relationship on this need-to-know basis. So the same with Daryl Anker and his relationship with his future self, who he calls. Uh, Bashar. What's his name? Bashar. Thank yeah. you. No, yeah. Sorry. So that's why there's so much of it at the moment because we're just in this unbelievable time of shift and change and there's so much help happening. You know, available. This is what's so fascinating about this, or one of the most amazing and mind-blowing things, because this concept about other entities or spirits choosing to come here at this time. Now, this speaks to kind of the infinite nature of what the universe or God or source is, right? Because whatever this challenge is, I mean, it's we're here to learn. We can at least all agree on that, no matter what we think happens after or why. Then what's what's interesting in my mind as well is like, if if everything is infinite, then you have an infinite number of ways for everything to play out. And you also have an infinite number of time to play all of these infinite number of things out. So it's just mind boggling. We in our third dimension reality can't really wrap our minds around that. But if you were an entity, you would do stuff like this because all things are possible. So you would do all of them, right? No matter how ridiculous, outlandish, uh, 
um, masturbatory, you know, how out of the way it sounds that this is what has to occur as these spirit guides talking to somebody 5,000 years ago that was reincarnated, you know, on another planet so far away, but he's got to be here for this dude right now. This kind of stuff is what's so cool about it. You talk about six degrees to Kevin Bacon, like this is ridiculous. You know, this is like all of this chain cool stuff, you know, man, as Octurian is helping this turtle. And if he didn't cross the road, so this guy gets out, picks the turtle up, he waits five seconds. And that's why he doesn't get hit by this truck, which is why he goes on to save the world, John Connor style. It's, it's this kind of shit that I love. I love thinking about how deep this goes because it is that complex, right? It's mind boggling. Yeah. Yes. And what's even more mind-boggling, you know, I'm someone who teaches deliberate creation. So when I first started teaching this stuff, it was about I wrote a book, How to Get What You Want, because then I'm thinking, what do people want? Everyone wants to know how to get what they want. What do they want? Most people want love, health, happiness, money, you know. They think that having all these material things will make them happy. And really the teaching is not about helping you manifest the stuff in life. It's really about helping you manifest the energy of life. And the energy of life is what we call emotion because everything you want, you want because you think in the having of it, it'll feel good. So so the whole crux of the deliberate creation teachings is feel good and you can have anything you want. But your ability to feel good is your power of creation. It's not when I'm rich or when I'm famous or when I'm in love or when I'm married or when I have children or when I buy the house or when I buy the car. It's like feel good and that when you raise that vibration, you're, you're, when you raise your frequency, then you're at a level of thought creates reality. Whatever you think about manifests. And, but it's, so it's about raising your vibe. And then once you do that, what's really interesting, Brandon, that once you raise your vibration, your desires change. Mm-hmm. So I feel good now. I love myself. I love humanity. I love life. I'm connected to my spirit guides. I'm connected to my higher self. And what I want is no longer the Ferrari and the million dollars. It's like I want to change the world. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be, you know, and so the desires change, which is so cool. Like I don't need to be in love to feel loved. I don't need the partner to love me anymore because I already feel love. So then why do I want a partner? Do I want a partner to for them to love me or do I want a partner to help me help others? And, you know, to be a part of a team um, that can be a, more of a benefit and a, a useful to, to this time that we're experiencing, to this shift in human consciousness that we're experiencing. But I wanted to talk about how creation works because as you were talking it reminded me of a conversation I had with Natalie Sudman so Natalie Sudman was a um, a woman who was already working as a psychic and an empath but she's a adventurous soul and she decided to work as a geologist or something in the military and so she was in Iraq during the Iraq war uh, working um, not for the military but within the military and she was in a truck and the truck was blown up by a uh, roadside bomb and um, she survived (laughs) she had a near-death experience she calls it the blink moment because in the moment where the bomb went off truck explodes and then lands so she's like unconscious for this period of a few seconds and then she's you know unconscious and she wakes up all bloody and a mess and there's dead people around her and in that moment she has this expansive and extensive NDE that she wrote about in her book called The Application of Impossible Things. 
And in the NDE, she's hanging out. She finds herself on a stage downloading all this information about her life to thousands of people. And then she's saying to the mob, I'm done. And they're saying, well, we honour your decision to be done, but we just want to remind you of a few things. <laughs> and they take her on these journeys. And one of the experiences she has is she's with a bud. She's like with a spirit guide who she's like feels like is her best bud. And they're designing her injuries. So, yeah, they're designing her injuries. So in this few seconds that she's unconscious, she's in spirit, talking to her spirit guide saying, what do we do? Will we make a blind? Will Will we chop off her arm? Will we, you know, let's have a look down that timeline and see how she copes as a blind person. And then as they're doing this, they're seeing her stumble around and fall around and and they're laughing hilariously like you're watching a funny movie at this, you know, at her dealing with her injuries. And they they look down a few timelines. They sort of think, what what happens if she loses this or she does this or does that? And so they're exploring different timelines. So, so think about that. If, yeah. If you're creating your reality, are you creating something completely new? Or are you aligning with a timeline that already exists? Yes. This is the ultimate question, right? Because then it calls in free will. Now now it calls mm-hmm. in everything. Because if everything is determined by, by you at some higher level anyway, like what's it for? You know, it's, it's, it, this is why it lends more to the idea in my mind, b- based on conclusions like this and thinking about things like this, that it's all just a ride. You're just here to hang out and just to do whatever the hell you want, but that everything happens. But only one of it, it only happens from your you know, minimal consciousness perspective because you're vibrating at this level of consciousness. This is why, this is this is the kind of stuff, Karen, that is so fascinating <laughs> to me. It, it's these ideas right here. Because yes, and then this is this leads back to what I've been doing with manifestation lately. And I know I've said this on the show, guys, just bear with me. So you basically, I step into the shower, I use it as a portal to step out into another, I focus my energy into another consciousness where what I want is there already, or the steps are there, the opportunities are lined up in that way, in that day, all of that good stuff. It's for this reason right here. I'm changing my timeline, you know, in a, in a very real conscious way, which is creating right. deliberately, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we've been given so many clues about the answer to this question. And one of the clues was made into a Hollywood movie called Sliding Doors. Have you ever seen that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow? No, but you know a great name for a cat? Gwyneth Mialtrow. <laughs> Don't encourage that. I'm just going to keep doing all right, so Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Sorry, now you got me laughing. So Gwyneth Paltrow, American actress, is playing a role as a Brit. She's doing a quite a good job of a British accent. Anyway, so she's working as a um, – she's got the boyfriend who's trying to be a writer and she's slaving her guts out at a cafe – you know, making measly money supporting both of them and he's just being a big, big asshole. Anyway, there's this scene where she misses the train and she comes home and she misses seeing him in bed with her, you know, with some girl. And then another reality is she doesn't miss the train and she comes home in the middle of the day because I think she gets fired from her job and she walks in with him having sex with another woman. And so these two stories play out in this movie, these two separate timelines. Yes. And it's the classic story of how there is these probable realities depending on the choices we make. 
So when we make choices, we choose a timeline. So I used to, when I started on radio, I started on with a friend of mine who works as a, a psychic who does the sort of speaking to dead people, predicting your future type mainstream type readings. And I'm someone who does deliberate creation type stuff. So I said, well, you do the psychic thing and I'll do the deliberate creation thing and together we'll take calls and we'll do it that way. And one day she had a caller from a guy who was in a bad place and he was asking about money and career and all that sort of thing. And um, she hung up the phone and she said, oh, that guy's going to lose his house and he's going to lose his job. And I said, "Why, why didn't you tell him that? And she said, I didn't want to upset him. And I said, well, you know, that's actually not set in stone. Like his current vibration of worry, stress, is just moving down a timeline where he's got more things to worry and stress about because he's aligning to that energy or he's aligning to that reality that's already in place. But in that moment of talking to us, he could shift his perspective and get into love and gratitude and he would be now on a completely different trajectory and have a different reality. And so this is why people say psychics don't work. I went to a palm reader or a psychic and they told me that I was going to marry this guy or go overseas. Usually getting married, big things usually are set in stone, usually. But they predict your future and then none of that comes true because at the time they tune into your dominant vibration you're on that particular trajectory moving down that timeline. And then if you shift your vibration, you shift timelines. So the psychic sees one timeline, but then you've got free will to shift your vibration and your decisions and your thoughts and move down another timeline, one that will be more enjoyable or one that will be less enjoyable, just depending on the choices that you make. And this is a big thing because this is why on on all of my shows, I just say, just buy a meal for somebody, get out of the left-hand lane, like do something nice for somebody else. Because what you're doing is you may be potentially change. Actually, I'm guaranteeing that you are changing whatever potential that was going to happen to them, whatever vibration they were on, you are shifting their tracks into a new timeline where now they're shifting other people's tracks into other timelines, like all for the positive. Like this is what the awakening is all about, right? There's that great analogous you know, a little meme where there's a yellow guy that goes and stands next to a bunch of just white, like, outlines of people. And then they all start turning yellow because they've came in contact with this. And that how, that's how any great idea or awareness or awakening or anything like that happens. It happens by sharing it. And all that is in reality, if you want to put science to it, is shifting us into a new potential for a timeline. Because all potentials are real. They all already happened. You just that's are right. picking which one that you're going down, which this is what manifestation is. This is what, you know, changing your mind, like thinking things through before you speak, you know, stuff like that. Like that's very important. Being deliberate, being Being consciously deliberate of how you think and what you feel, how you think and what you feel. So most of us are on this, this, this broken record, you know, like we sort of wake up, Oh, I've got to go to work. Oh, I hate the traffic. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't feel good because this stuff's happening to me. The traffic was bad. My kid was screaming. My wife was angry. You know, like, you know, we blame the outside world for how we feel and we get in this dominant frequency and then we get more stuff to sort of maintain the frequency. And then you wake up to being a deliberate creator and then you hit the the traffic jam and you go, oh, great, time for meditation. I'm going to put on music and listen to my favorite song 
or and and you sort of see life through a different lens. You see life, everything's happening for me, not to me. So this traffic jam might be happening because um, there's an accident up the road that I've missed and had I been there earlier, I'd be in that accident. I always find, like my second ex-husband used to be a real stickler about time. He was always two hours early to everything. It used to drive me crazy. So I would be like, we're going to turn up somewhere. And he'd be sitting, looking at his cock going, are, we, are, you, are you coming? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Like really in this. And my first husband was the complete opposite. I would tell him we needed to be there two hours early to get there, him there on time. So yeah. I had these two opposite <laughs> husbands. But in saying that, I always knew that everything would happen in the perfect time. So if I was running late or if the traffic was late, then so was the people's that we were going to. So we would arrive and they go, oh, I'm so pleased you're late because I was stuck in traffic and you're right on time. So it would always wait. It would always sort of work out like that. And if you're early, oh, I'm so glad you're early, you know, because I need to do something. So it's just amazing if you just stay deliberate and be in the flow, as you were talking about before, and let let life speak to you. And it's all speaking to you. It's all working for you. So instead of pushing against it and saying, this is wrong, you know, hurry up, you've got to be on time. Oh, this traffic, you know, if you're constantly resisting what is, then you're not in a high vibration and you're not in control of being deliberate in the way you create your reality. Damn, I'm grateful we connected. You are awesome. <laughs> God, you are cool. I mean, I knew this was going to be great, but damn. Uh, okay, damn. well, look, <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably cap it here in just a little bit. We'll wrap it up here. But I do want to talk more about the expo, but something that you said about kind of uh, your flow state and when everything is going in, if you think about it, nature uh, shows us examples of this all the time, of how to live in the moment. Uh, and that happens with bees, with certain birds. And this is what you're kind of tapping into whenever you are weaving in and out of traffic or when you realize how telepathic we are. Some of this can be enhanced on psychedelic states. We don't have to talk about that, but that's another example. One of the examples would be like bees, you know? I mean, it's like a hive mind, right? They're all kind of tapped in and tuned into each other. It's a flow state. You know, they're, they're vibrating. They're sending chemical signals out, but there's, they're linked somehow. And this is what you tap into, right? Well, of course, nature's got it right because they're not thinking about sports. This is back to what you said about the way that we think is why we're unable to kind of perceive these things extrasensory that that come naturally to people who don't think the same way the culture of society does for whatever reason. I and it seems to me that whenever you are tapping into that, you're able to basically be in the most natural state you're supposed to be in because you're not thinking Absolutely. about the real housewives of whatever. You're not thinking about, you know, oh, I wish I had that one car that somebody else has. You're you're just being, you're just existing. And that's what's wonderful. Something Zane said on our on our conversation recently was about how Desire is a great part of manifestation, but it's a low vibration, you know, kind of an example of it. So what you want to do is be excited, you know, like that, that's the secret to the fake it till you make it thing. And that's why I just want to tell everybody about it because it's part of manifestation that I've been screwing up, you know, I, I, or I feel like I have, but actually it's all working out great. Desire is the first part of the creative process. And, and in this current third dimensional reality, desire is the most creative way we create our world. So, there is desire on an egoic level and there's desire on a soul level, but desire exists. So desire you can look at as intention as well. So a soul might come into this lifetime with an intention. I intend to understand forgiveness. I intend to explore the part of love that says forgiveness. I intend to understand the part of love that says compassion. I intend to um, 
uh, understand the part of love, like we can chop up love, yeah. Okay, so we were talking about desire. Um, you said that Zane Daniel said that desire is um, the way we create, but it's a low vibration. It's a low way, a low energy that we create. And I said that desire is the first part of the creative process. So with everything we're desiring, we're desiring from an ego state or we're desiring from a soul state. So even the soul comes into a physical incarnation because it has some intentions or it has some desires. So it has intentions to overcome karma, like I messed up in that past life where I didn't forgive and I didn't return to love and I hung on to anger and resentment and I got really sick and died. So I'm going to come back and see if someone can be really mean to me in this life and I can find forgiveness for them and keep my vibration high and, you know, and not have to go through that illness again in order to have the wake-up call. Like the body is, as I said, is always speaking to you about what you're doing with your vibration. So desire is happening all the time. It's just that when we're in the energy of desire, we're in the belief that we haven't got what we're desiring. But it is a way of, it is a way of recognizing what we want to create. So when we stay in that step one process, we've got to stay in it for a short amount of time. So I'm feeling sick, I want to feel better. And then what does it feel like to feel better? Let's focus on what it feels like to feel better rather than asking, how do I feel better? How do I feel better? I'll go to the doctor. Oh, I feel sick. How do... And some people stay in that step one process for a lifetime. But that step one process is really just a recognition of what you want to create next. Yeah. Like it's I'm over like, here. And once you've identified, I'm over here and I want to be over there. Exactly. So I live in Australia. I'd like to go to... Um, America Texas. and travel around yeah. America in a van or something. So that's a desire. So instead of thinking, why can't I go to America? I want to go. Well, it's like I've just recognized that's something I want to do. And then you sit and you visualize how fun that would be. Wouldn't that be great? Think of the people that you'll meet. What sort of things could I explore in America? Oh, that would be so much fun. And then you just let life orchestrate the details. You go out one day, you meet an American, they say, Oh, I've just come from America and I've got a van back in America that I want to sell. Do you want to buy it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just the synchro destiny just answers the call and it's effortless and easy when you're aligned with what you want rather than what you perceive you haven't got. Yes. And this is what he had talked about because desire is the first part of it. But he said, don't stay there. You know, don't stay in a desire because that's always don't that's a carrot there. on a stick that will always be away from you. Right. But if you get excited about feeling better, if you are sick or getting excited about healing. So he changed it to the word excitement because now you're just excited about whatever's going on, which is the vibrational state of now. It's it's what you're doing. Right. And that's kind of a predictive element of the future. But just in a small amount, like I am excited I'm looking forward to traveling the van around America or whatever and come to Texas yeah. if you ever do that, by the way. So, um, well, <laughs> it has been something I've thought of. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd love to travel around America in a van and, you know, explore. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's hard to be excited about being sick, but you can be excited about what you're learning from being sick. So, being sick is not something to get so excited about. But if you ask, why is this happening for me? What am I learning? I'm learning about healing. So, for instance, my daughter went through something that was quite horrific recently. She got bitten by a shark and she was in hospital. She had a few operations. She was dealing with pain and she didn't want to take the pain meds. And so she was talking to me on the phone about being in um, meditation or mindfulness and working with her mind to overcome the pain that she was going through because her 
her carotid artery was not her carotid artery, a major artery in her leg was severed and some nerves were severed. So the nerves were growing back. And as the nerves were growing back, she could feel that as pain. Oh my God. And I said, don't think about it as pain. Think about it as the body growing the nerves back and get excited about it being a, a sensations of healing and not pain. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that's a different spin on it. Like that's different. That's reframing it. So instead of see, feeling the sensation as fat pain, you can be grateful for the sensation as, oh, that's the body healing itself. And then when you have a different spin on it, you get a different experience of it, right? Instead of thinking, oh, I, I need to stop this pain. I need to stop this pain. Oh, I need to stop the pain. You can say, oh, I'm grateful because this sensation is an indication that my body is healing. Or you can say to the pain, this is an indication that my body is communicating to me. And then you can speak to the pain. What are you saying? So it's about reframing it. And I don't know if you can get excited about pain, but you can get excited about learning how to deal with it. Like, what am I learning about myself? And that's something you can get excited about. Yeah, getting excited about feeling better, basically projecting yourself to when you're over the pain or whatever. But what you're talking about is just being an optimist. And I love that. You're absolutely right. Because an optimist doesn't say, you know, two steps, you know, one step forward and two steps back is not a lack of progress. It's the cha-cha. You know, we're just dancing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it's I didn't fall down the stairs. You're, you're like, wow, I made it down the stairs super fast. You know what I mean? So there, there is an element of, of optimism that's it's crucial, I think, for, for anybody's mental stability. You know, you, you've got to kind of lose your shit a little bit and be a little ridiculously optimistic, which is perceivably crazy, to actually have a very sane result in getting what you want and being able to get into the vibration for a life that you really are deliberately creating. I love that. Um well, I tell You're you choosing what. a frequency and that frequency is choosing a timeline. So Ooh. before you got here, you created a timeline that has that has answered everything that the soul is intending to experience in this lifetime, right? So the soul has a desire. I want to experience this. I want to experience that. And that desire might involve a lot of drama. So I want to understand how to find forgiveness, which means somebody has to do some heavy shit to me for me to forgive them. They need to beat me up. Um, they need to be my father and, and toss me out on the street. And, and then I find forgiveness for them. And I understand that quality of love called forgiveness. And, and so you've designed that, but you've also designed a timeline that might not stop the drama, but it is this exponential um, acceleration into evolution of consciousness, both for you and everyone else around you. Yeah. God, I love this. You are just a delight. You're absolutely wonderful. I adore you. You know, I wrote down a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you on your show, but I I don't think we've got time because I was listening to a couple of your shows and I'm like, oh, I could get into this conversation, explain karma, desire. I think we've done that. Desire continued. So karma is desire continued. So often in a lifetime when you have a desire um, that you don't fulfill, that's what we call karma. So you want to continue that desire. So I saw that with my mother who reincarnated as another family member. So I've known her in two, li- in two lifetimes in my one life. And I've seen the continuation of her desires unfulfilled as my mother being fulfilled now as, as, um, as a young woman that I know. Damn, that is fascinating. Yeah. 
This yeah, I think happened to uh, a dog that we just rescued because it's kind of a weird, and we'll we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But it, it's kind of a weird story. Uh, just quickly, we rescued a dog about nine years ago from a really bad situation. We gave him to my mother-in-law because our two oldest dogs, or, or our two larger dogs, which happen to be the oldest as well, uh, did not get along with him. Okay, he's a husky mix, and we had border collie and then a lab pit mix that I raised from. She was the size of my hand when I got her, so you know she opened. I had bottle feeder for two weeks anyway, so very, very, very attached, right? So, but we had you know three smaller dogs as well. So he came around. Uh, they did not get along well, so we did need to do the rehoming thing. We gave him to my mother-in-law. Well, recently the mother-in-law said I can't take care of him anymore. It's just too busy and whatever. Now our two larger dogs had already passed on. So um, and they lived long, long uh, after they should have, and they had wonderful lives and all that good stuff. So whenever he uh, came up available, it's just the opportunity came back. Now he reminds me a lot of my boy, my oldest uh, border collie, the one I had for like 15 and a half years. He's got the same look in his eyes. He sounds the same when he barks. Uh, it's it's this interesting kind of like I'm like is that you Tex you know, uh, but it it's yeah. really cool and I mean um, anyway I just noticed noticed a lot of similarities to that so that can happen and that is very interesting that oh that absolutely souls can like you that. have an agreement with a soul because a dog or an animal is a soul like anybody else is a soul uh, trees are souls um, universes are souls planets are souls so you have an agreement with that point of consciousness to travel together but the thing is that a human life is longer than an animal life so an animal is going to have to come back a couple of times my cat's been with me three times i said i've had three black cats the first black cat i was backpacking around europe i gave my black cat to my dad to look after he pissed off and got married and then my brother um, moved into his house and I came back from overseas a year later. I said, where's the cat? They said, what cat? What oh. <laughs> about the cat? <laughs> so she disappeared. And then I got another cat for my daughter who had kittens when it was six months old. One of them was a black one. We kept the black one. All the rest left and we, I, this black one stayed for 20 years. <laughs> and then um, – I kept saying, when are you going to die? My daughter would say, you're so mean. And I'm like, cats don't live to this age. And I just said, look, when you're ready to go, go. I, you know, I'm not going to do the whole sickness thing and take you to the vet and put you down. I just, I can't deal with that. And so she did. She literally ate her last meal, walked outside, sat under a tree and left her body. She was, was so gracious. So I said to myself, I'm not getting another cat. Be quite kind of nice not to have a pet for a while. I can be free and go anywhere. Four weeks later, Brandon, four weeks later, a black kitten turns up in my garden. I mean, and I don't even have a garden. I'm above the road. I've got this, my garden is a little strip of greenery outside and there's a cat there. There's a black kitten in there. And I'm like, how does this happen? And I knew it was her coming back because funnily enough, after she had left her body, the 20-year-old, I had my daughter's, you know, guilt was sort of setting in, thinking, I hope I treated her okay. I hope she had a good life. And my daughter saying, you're so mean to the kiss, mum. You're so mean to the cat. And I was just joking, saying, when are you going to die? <laughs> and I started to think about her. And I had this vision of this little black cat astral body leaving her black furry body and coming, going up to heaven and then doing a U-turn and coming straight back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I said, so you really enjoy being a cat and you're going to come back as another black cat. That's cool. And somebody else will really enjoy you. It won't be me because I'm not going to get another cat. And turns out that the neighbor's son moved in. He picked up this black cat from a market. He'd left it with dad. Dad gives it to me. Damn. She comes back. She comes back in another black cat. So, yeah, so animals do that. They have a contract with you. They have an agreement with you to be with you. 
And they will do that in several bodies because their lifespan is shorter. Maybe it's just and they Aust- also. Oh, I was just going to yeah? say maybe it's just Australia. You guys have boomerangs down there, so it would it would check out that cats and everything just come right back to you. You know, you come can't back, throw anything yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cats' uh, bodies are pretty similar, but dogs have more variety of temperament and expression that they can play with when they reincarnate. So I had a conversation with uh, Raphael Tamora, who spoke about the three reincarnations of her dog. And then she said, you should check out that show. And then she speaks about the three dog bodies and the temperament and the lessons that the soul was learning through the dog bodies. And she also speaks about species and like when you're a soul, if you pick a certain species, then you're evolving as a soul because you're making the game a little harder, having a different species. And it was really interesting conversation with uh, the reincarnation of animals. Yeah. You get extra um, experience points if you do that because you're jumping species. It's it's a little harder. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, final question. Uh, whenever you reincarnate, what species are you going to reincarnate at? If you could choose any of them. I've often thought about this. Who am I going? What am I going to do next time? Um, I'm definitely coming back to Earth. There's um, there's no reason why I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone through this period of a huge shift in the human transition of consciousness, not to reincarnate back in the future to see how we evolved. Like so many people who are here now that identify as star seeds or, you know, they're not from here, say, get me out of here. You know, I hate this place. This is terrible. I'm never coming back to Earth. I'm never reincarnating. And I think to myself, God, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you reincarnate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure that we're going through this, you know, difficult time of transition. There's been much more horrible histories when we look at our past. It's been much tougher in the past than we're currently going through now. But it is an intense time of transition. But we're working to build, you know, to to bring through a new timeline. Wouldn't you want to come back and, and see the product of your effort yeah you know like come back and check out it because i just planted a couple apple trees out here that i grew from seeds starting last fall so they're finally big enough to plant i was like hell yeah you know we pulled them out of an apple it germinated them all that good stuff and so i just planted those now i can come back and see those later on that's pretty cool i like that idea absolutely yeah Thank you so much for your time. I will be linking, of course, all the ways to find you in the show notes uh, and the Higher Self Expo as well, which we're excited to get out. So, of course, this episode will come out before the 17th and 18th of July, which is when it will be occurring. You are running the show for Australia, so uh, no pressure there. Um, but thank you. Nicholas so much. and I, there's another beautiful teacher healer who's a speaker and also the co-host, Nicholas Perrin. So he, he and I are going to be doing the Australasian eight hours, Geraldine and Zane doing the American and the gorgeous Tana, Tanya and Rui, Rui are doing the European eight hours. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be fun. I'm talking to Tanya as well, so I'm going to have her on also. She's beautiful. She's, great. she's absolutely God, glorious. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And there was one more thing I was going to tell you, but I totally forgot what it was. Oh, you're having a, a Tom Barnett on, right? Yeah, Tom's one of the speakers. Yeah. yeah He's yeah. been on my show a couple of times. I love Tom. He's great. Tell yeah. him hi. You had time. him on your show too, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. He's he's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, cool. a, he's a bit he's a bit of a theme of what I found with him when I reached out to Australians. He's he's not as angry, but he's one of those angry activists. Like there's lots of Aussies who have exponential knowledge, but they're in that sort of resistance energy. Even though Tom's a lot more chilled. 
um, he's still got that sort of resistance, let's fight the good fight sort of thing, which is not what I teach. I think that love is the only way to change this world. But there are plenty of people in that sort of good fight. You know, they've got to like fight the evil cabal or the control drama. I think they're both necessary because you're you're very loving. You're very feminine energy, very loving, very warm. And everybody wants to talk to you because you're wonderful. But Tom is very uh, passionate about it. And he understands he's got that protector uh, mentality going on. And you need strong arms like that in the fight with this as well, because he's the guy that's waking up all the wolves, you know. It's a level of consciousness. Once you understand there's no fight, once you understand that the higher your vibration, the more powerful you are to create change, then you pay more attention to your vibration than you do to what's happening outside you. I agree with you, but I will say this. Um, I know that (laughs) hand in hand, uh, conspiracy theories and spirituality kind of go hand in hand. Uh, You're usually introduced into one because of your thought or your investigation into the other. So what I think Tom does is he provides a good framework for people who want to wake up, who are just at some level tired of seeing the world the way that it is. And he goes at it more of a, dude, you're being, you're being fucked because of this, you know, check this out. Here's what it is. But then he's also got his holistic element to it. He's got his calmness about him also that shows you that not only waking up to all the, that you being screwed the whole time, uh, you need that, but also here's how you're being screwed. And then also here's better ways and then, hey, check out my friend Karen and uh, let her uh, raise your vibration in this way as well. He, again, wakes up the wolves. You know, he is part is a necessary part of the process to bring people into conspiratorial elements of it to then have their spiritual awakening. Because like I said, I have found in my observation that they kind of go hand in hand. Yas. Yas queen. Yep. So... Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, we're going to cap it here because I could talk to you forever. Uh, but I've got, uh, oh, I you, I'm going to go, our nephew's in town and um, we bought a, way too much fireworks today. So we're going to go shoot those off. Oh, wow. We yeah. didn't even get into flat earth theory. We were going to chat about that, but let's another it, time. Let's do it another time because we're going to do this again. Like no sweat, no let's problem. Let's do it on my show. Let's do it on your show. I would I'd be love honored. to get you on my show. We can talk about flat earth. You're like, because you said to me. What do you think? I really went into it and you were going to talk about that. But anyway, that's another, that's a conversation for it's another an episode. time. It, let's definitely do it on your show because I want that. But also I'm going to bring you back on for sure. But it is an episode that was fascinating to me. Uh, I'm fascinated by the concept. And I think if you were to ask me if the earth is round or flat, I'd say yes. I'd say it's both. I'd say it's whatever yes. your perception yeah, requires it to be. And we can go exactly. into that further because I would be honored. Yeah, that would be great. So um, thank you okay. so much. You were an absolute delight. Like I said, your soul tribe. So thank you so much. I'm truly grateful that we connected. Uh, I will, of course, be linking all of the ways to find you as well as the Higher Self Expo in the show notes. You guys just go on down in the description and click that. That's where you can find it. And Karen, thank you so much. Thanks, Brandon. Ciao. want to give a special thanks to Karen for spending some time with us on the show. Uh, of course, all the ways to find her as well as the Higher Self Expo are linked in the show description. Please go check that out. She is an incredibly remarkable person, guys. And I know that y'all enjoyed that episode as much as I did. It's a wonderful conversation. We will do it again. So uh, as far as this show goes, you can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of the socials are. The YouTube's up there. There's a whole video element to this that you guys can go check out 100% free. Uh, as well as uh, Patreon's on there as well. Um, 
I think that's it for that. So it's just that's kind of a central hub for everything. So just expandingrealitypodcast.com. You know how this works. Uh, go out into your week this week, guys, and pick up a piece of litter. Uh, get out of the left-hand lane if you're doing that. Uh, it's annoying. And then um, if you have the opportunity, of course, take advantage of buying somebody in line behind you or even in front of you um, a coffee or a meal or book of stamps, guys. It doesn't have to be something crazy, you know thing of pins if they got like two things dude just just buy it you know take care of it it raises your vibration tremendously and the impact it has on that other person or persons uh, is remarkable so uh, enjoy that and while you're out there just being the best you that you can be raising the vibration of the planet uh, y'all just be good to one another thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time